Thank you, Chloe and Jeff. As a way to uh, introduce the sermon this, this morning, I wanted to uh, explain to you a little bit about the stole that I have on. It uh, represents uh, part of the work in progress that this church continues to be. At the rededication of this church in September of 1993, the churches in this community, or at least in the downtown area, had uh, banded together, partnered together, to present two stoles to the church as part of that rededication. And the other stole is in Nancy's uh, hands right now, and she is using that over at our south side worship, or soon will be using that as part of the south side worship. But the stole is, uh, comes with a, is a story. The first part of the story on this side is there's a, a picture of a phoenix, a bird that in, uh, in mythology and in history was uh, said to rise from the ashes, uh, from fire, from destruction, from that uh, the phoenix rises. So there's the symbol of rising from the, from the ashes that is the stole. The other part of the stole is a representation of all the churches and several of the ministries, Lafayette Urban Ministry being one of those ministries that's represented on this side of the stole, but all the ministries in the uh, immediate downtown area that try to work together and certainly are appreciative of the work that uh, we are all appreciative of the work that each of us do. Now, this stole was uh, presented again in September of, of 93. The stole was created by Juliet Hemingway of Derby, England. And the design was inspired by a festival cloak uh, that the Bishop of London used to wear, which has representations of each of the parish churches of the, in the Diocese of London embroidered upon it. So that is where the inspiration for the, and the idea for the churches and the ministry, uh, ministries that are represented on the stole came from. Those uh, congregations and ministries that contributed toward the two stoles that we have were Lafayette Urban Ministry, Shalom United Church of Christ, the Unitarian Universalist Fellowship, St. John's Episcopal Church, St. James Lutheran Church, Central Presbyterian Church, Jubilee Resource Center, St. Boniface Roman Catholic Church, Trinity United Methodist Church, First Baptist Church, the Center for Christian Growth, and Lafayette Pastoral Counseling Center. Each of those uh, churches that participated in creating, helping to create that stole, uh, were grateful and acknowledged in the presentation how much uh, we benefit when we work together, when we partner together, and what a difference that we make in the downtown area. We're a work in progress. And that is what Paul wrote about in the second chapter of Philippians. The church is a work in progress, and the words that Paul appropriates in the verses 1 through 11, part of the words that Paul uses were really words that already existed in the church. 
They were part of the liturgy of the church. They were used in worship service in other places. They were familiar words when Paul wrote them down, familiar words to the people of Philippi. So the first five verses really introduce what is called the Christ hymn, verses 6 through 11 in Philippians, this second chapter. Uh, Paul sets the uh, tone and the, the meaning and the stage for, for those words, the Christ hymn, by saying these words to the church. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interest, but to the interest of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Then begins verse 6. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in human likeness, being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's God's word to us. And I hope, as I was reading particularly these last two verses, that you recognized in that language the language that we use in our response at the close of our worship. The response that we sing, He is Lord, that's where that song comes from, it's from the Christ hymn. So when we sing that, we connect to the early church, to the ancient church. We sing in a way, we're singing the same song, we're experiencing the same thing and through the power of the Holy Spirit that churches that existed almost 2,000 years ago experienced. And we're grateful for that connection and that heritage. It's interesting how people uh, attempt to predict the future. What's going to happen in the future? I doubt anybody in Philippi had any clue that uh, 2,000 years later, or almost 2,000 years later, there'd be people in Lafayette, Indiana, sitting in a sanctuary on a Sunday morning, recounting the song, the Christ hymn, words that they sang, uh, mouthing those words, singing those words at the end of a worship service, celebrating 175 years of their history, and in the process being humbled, realizing that we're part of a 2,000-year history. Predicting the future is always a difficult task. I read uh, not too long ago, the 10 worst predictions of all times. I'm not going to share all of them with you, but in 1949, John von Neumann, uh, computer specialist, 
uh, shared this prediction with, uh, with the world in 1949. I'm quite certain that we've advanced as far as we can possibly advance in the field of computer technology. And, and gosh, uh, if John could see us now. Uh, John Foster Dulles, who was Secretary of State uh, for our country in the 1950s. In 1954, he had these uh, prophetic words about the future. I can't imagine any scenario, any circumstance, in which people in America would want anything that was built in Japan. So. Maybe, that, maybe that's why... The Japanese decided to move the Subaru plant to Lafayette. So that... It's hard to uh, imagine and predict what God has in mind for us, for you, for God's church, uh, what dreams are yet to be dreamed, what things are yet to happen what events we're yet to experience. But we know through God's grace and God's promise of grace that God will be with us always. So a question we might want to ask ourselves as we recognize ourselves as works in progress, as, as Paul says, you know, move toward having the mind of Christ. We're all works in progress. What is our hope for others, for other people? Count others better than yourself, as Paul says. What is our hope for others? We uh, know what our hopes are, our dreams are, for ourselves, oftentimes. Sometimes we might be confused about that. But we have some hopes and dreams. What are our hopes for others? What are our hopes, for instance, for, uh, or do we have any hopes for Ray Rice? Ray Rice jumped off the sports page into uh, headlines on the front page of newspapers across the country, became uh, the lead story on every broadcast network in the United States. Ray Rice, you may not remember the name, but you will remember the incident just a few months ago. Ray Rice was the one who knocked his wife unconscious on an elevator in Las Vegas and became the focal point of attention because of his football playing and his suspension from football. At the time, uh, the woman that he knocked unconscious was his fiance. Now she is his, his wife. They're married. What, what's our hope for uh, Ray Rice? There's accountability. There's always accountability. There's no question if you've uh, had the unfortunate experience of seeing the video, you know how horrible the video uh, account of that incident is. Uh, there's no question that there's accountability for that kind of, of action. and should be accountabil- accountability for that. But what's our hope for Ray Rice and his wife? Do we hope that they're a work in progress? That they can learn, that they can grow, that he can be a better man because of what he's experienced. That he can be humbled. That when we hear his apology, do we respond with Cynicism or the apology of anybody once they're caught. Somebody once said, no, he's not really sorry, he's just caught. And now he wants us to believe that he's sorry. Do we approach it with that kind of cynicism 
No matter what the circumstance, when somebody apologizes to us, are we judging the sincerity of that apology? Or do we approach it with grace? Do we recognize that that person's a work in progress? Because we know we're a work in progress. That we're trying to have the mind of Christ. What is our response? Our response says something about us. Have we become cynical? Have we become unwilling to forgive? Do we believe that people can progress? That they can be better? Is that our hope for others? Part of having that hope is humbling ourselves, functioning with humility, recognizing our own shortcomings, recognizing that uh, as wonderful as we think we might be, as great as we, we think we might be, when the, when the moment comes when, when all that uh, dissolves because we've done something that we are ashamed of, that we are embarrassed by, do we even have the grace to forgive ourselves and to understand in that humbling moment we're works in progress. We are the result of God's grace. And God promises us that we can grow, that we can uh, move beyond the accountability for, for whatever wrong that we may have done, for whatever hurt we may have caused, that we can be restored. Not just buildings that get rebuilt, our lives can be rebuilt. And will be rebuilt by God's grace. Paul encourages us to discover the mind of Christ. We discover that, then we realize we're works in progress. And we know that that's a lifelong journey. It's an exercise in humility. There'll be a lot of uh, obstacles along the way. There'll be a lot of twists and turns. There'll be a lot of pitfalls. There'll be a lot of climbing the mountain. There'll be a lot of sliding down the mountain. It's a lifelong journey. And as someone once said, it's not the destination, it's the journey that counts, that matters. Making the trip taking the trip, walking with Jesus, experiencing God's grace. It's an exercise in humility. It's a selfless ambition. It's a way to prevent us from becoming cynical, judgmental, hurtful people because we recognize ourselves as works in progress as people who need God's grace, God's forgiveness. And we can be sure that if we need it, God expects us to give it. If we receive it, we receive God's grace, 
And God calls upon us to be gracious people. Recognize that there's nobody who's not a work in progress. Recognize that through God's grace, we can do better. We can be better. We can be restored. We can be rebuilt. Who's our Lord? We sing it every single Sunday. We confess that Jesus Christ is our Lord. To the glory of God the Father. So, this Sunday, and I hope every Sunday, when it comes time to respond, sing it like you mean it. Sing it like you know it. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for your grace and for your mercy in Christ Jesus. We thank you for the saints that have gone before us. Lord, we thank you for the ministry that we have together. Lord, we thank you for what you will do with us and through us as we move in Christ's name into the future. future. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.